Animation Aficionados now has a Facebook page. Come chat with community members, share stories about cartoons, and get updates on future shows. Just look up Animation Aficionados on Facebook. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007. With the Webcomic Beacon, its newscast, the Tropecast, and Web Fiction World. You know, you can take a break from stupid things on Tumblr to go look at something useful. I would feel cheated if one of my friends said, hey, I wanted to share this comic book, and they gave me three pages torn out of the comic book. <laughs> Depends upon whether or not the action girl is capable of penetrating the wall of stock footage that the magic girl throws up while she's prepping... Not not only hung over, but I also accidentally ate spoiled cream cheese. So I also had my own uh, food poisoning. Um, Anti-traditional publishing much? Uh, no, it's not, nothing to do with that. You'd have to be buried like hazmat, like in a salt mine. <laughs> <laughs> For three years, I've shown up once a week and tried to be serious. <laughs> and normally, we just sit around talking about boobs, but... Uh... Web comics, comic news, tropes, and web fiction, all at webcastbeacon.com. Ben, you got the Android phone put away, right? It's charging right now. Okay, you got a backup generator going, right? I, I have my tablet that I can hook up my <laughs> USB headset to if I need to. Okay. So today is Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. Yay. Come on, Neil, some enthusiasm, damn it. <laughs> I am, I am quite a bit less experienced with this show than I am with Justice League. Okay, well... I've seen bits and pieces of it out of order, of course, so it's, uh, the context that I have for certain episodes is kind of lost. <laughs> oh, I can understand that. I think that was actually one of the weaknesses, is, but uh, we'll move on to that. Everybody ready? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Tonight, we're talking about Justice League Unlimited. Uh, I am your host, Ben. We're joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. I want that cake. <laughs> we have again with us the film pigs. <laughs> Hi, we're the film pigs. I'm Todd. I'm Steve. We cake pigs. <laughs> the cake is a lie. Moving on. <laughs> we are talking about Justice League Unlimited. Uh, this is going to be part two. Uh, part one was uh, seamless. Part one was damaged due to uh, power power failure on my part. But, uh, you know, we are going to do uh, Justice League Unlimited right now. Uh, of course, this was what happened after uh, Season 2 of Justice League, when they, which they edited in the, uh, in the TV movie Starcrossed. They, uh, you know, Bruce Tim and company looked back and, you know, basically Cartoon Network came to them and said, you need to retool the series in some way. Bruce Tim honestly said that he, they could actually just put Aquaman in the lineup and call the show Unlimited and not do anything else, and they would have been fine. But someone else, I think it was actually Alan Burnett, I need to check on this, but I think it was Alan Burnett said, why don't we just bring in the whole damn universe? And that <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Why not everybody? Why not everybody? Yeah, because that always works in, in movies, but why not in the TV shows? <laughs> Doesn't make everything convoluted at all. But seeing as this was the last series that was going to take place in this universe, this was a good time as any to bring in the entire universe because they already had almost a decade of building up this world for viewers starting with just Batman. So I think, honestly, anyone who went through the whole thing from the beginning would have been pre prepared for this. This would not work in any other production right off the bat. 
Looking at you, Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, I think it works. But, of course, there were some, uh, some uh, managerial fiats going on around here. Uh, as people know, uh, or may not know, but uh, Sam Register was the vice president of Cartoon Network around this time. Sam Register was also the executive producer of such series as Teen Titans, Hi Hi Puffy Ami Yumi, Ben 10, and... Uh, oh, Ben 10. Mm. And uh, <laughs> The Craft Man. All your favorites, Ben. <laughs> yeah, all the ones that sucked. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but uh, what happened was Sam Register as uh, executive producer of The Craft Man. See, the thing is, anybody with a brain knows The Craft Man holds no... T- no candle to Batman the Animated Series or any Bruce Tim series. Am I right, guys? <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's the funny thing is every time we say Crap Man, I actually think I'm trying to think. Wait, was there a cartoon called a Crap Man? Because I would have <laughs> liked a show called the Crap Man. I just, for the record, if there then, is a show called the Crap Man, I'd like to watch. Well, it. that's no. what that's what it is. I don't know why they call it Batman because it's not really about Batman. It's about this crappy imitation with a concave face. The and it's called. The Batman. This no, is... it's called the Crap Man. Stop calling it the wrong name, Dan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could, I could go completely John K on you about this. <laughs> no, don't throw a John K fit. <laughs> I by being calling it by the right name. Now, okay, well, but, so the... if I understand this right, you didn't like the Crap Man. Yeah. So the Crap Man wasn't for you. Um, well, the, the, not, it goes I, further. You know, honestly, I I'm I, the Crap Man versus. Batman versus Batman. I'm not sure uh, if I ever saw the Crap Man as opposed to over, Batman. I think I think you went over this. The did last we do this time. last time? Yeah. Yes, we did. Well, the difference is, uh, well, you know, right before the Crap Man, the first episode aired, Sam Register, executive producer of the Crap Man and vice president of Cartoon Network, was asked an honest, legitimate question in an interview. He was asked how he thinks his series would compare against Bruce Timm's Batman the Animated Series of the 90s. There was a multitude of things he could have said. He could have said, well, this is going to be a younger, different take. This is going to be a little bit more hip. He could have said anything like that. He didn't. He says, unlike the old series, my series is going to appeal to more than 20-year-old virgins living in their mother's basements. Oh, right. Right, oh, right. That I remember. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah we did yeah. talk about We did this talk about time. that, yeah. So, yeah, he was, that's, a, he was, a, he was a dick. That's, that's awesomely stupid <laughs> to say that. Wow. Our at-home listeners are used to Ben retelling the same stories. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it goes further because in Justice League Unlimited, this, you know... Sam Register, as vice president of Cartoon Network, instituted a policy that tied Bruce Timm's hands creatively on a lot of different stories he wanted to tell. It's a policy that the fans call the Bat Embargo. What this policy was that was that any pre-existing Batman hero or villain character, other than Batman himself, is barred from showing up or being mentioned in Justice League Unlimited. Ah, okay, that makes oh, sense now okay. that they didn't a lot of. Batman villains never showed up. That does yeah. make sense. And uh, this this bat embargo was uh, rather famous or infamous because uh, the the reasoning given to the public about this was it would confuse younger viewers to have two different versions of the same character show up on two different shows. However, what? However, That's, yeah. Around this time, around this time that the bat embargo was in full swing. Uh, 
Cartoon Network had on Tsunami Block, they had uh, they showed movies every Saturday, and they were also showing the uh, French anime esque version by Moon Scoop of Fantastic Four. And uh, see, this is funny to me because they showed the second Ultimate Avengers animated movie, the one where Hank Pym dies. And right after that movie, they showed an episode of Fantastic Four with Hank Pym. Completely different version of Hank Pym. And see, that's how I knew that Sam Register's whole don't want to confuse the children thing was bullshit. Because Yeah, they were just trying they were just trying to compartmentalize all the I think you should refer to this as the crap bargo. Yeah, it's the crap bargo. <laughs> I don't know why because... we're calling it the yeah. <laughs> Because that, that's just, yeah, they're just trying, they were just trying to like, compartmentalize a certain set of characters. Well, it was, it was actually Sam Register trying to tie Bruce Timm's hands creatively because then, because a lot of the most interesting villains in the DC universe or animated universe were the villains. Were Batman, the, yeah, villains. Were the Batman, Batman villains, villains, yeah. Well, yeah. well but do you know what his, uh, why was he trying to tie his hands creatively just because? Well, because he was tired of after three, it was the crap man was in season three by then. He was tired of for three seasons, reviewers lambasting him because anything he did, Bruce Tim did better. So it's a battle of egos. This is like this is like which he's is so like, weird uh, on like a television network that you would have. Yeah. Some- well, but it's uh, but this is like George Lucas level nonsense. <laughs> this is I, I'm serious. This is well, fuck you. You don't like the Phantom Menace. I made it for children. That's what this is. I mean, it, no, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. And I'm gonna keep Jar Jar Binks in all the movies. Yeah, it, that's what this sounds like to me. Yeah, which is crazy. It's it's craziness. Which is which? So you you think of it more as a Jar Jar Bargo? Jar Jar Go. You just scooped up all the villains and said, "Mine, all mine. You can't have them. <laughs> you can't use them because I'm a dick." <laughs> and the, the people who are listening to this are saying, "Oh, I don't think this actually affected any real stories." Not true. Uh, writer of Birds of Prey, the comic book at the time, Gail Simone, was approached to write an episode. Her episode was about Batgirl teaming up with Black Canary. Oh, oh, I yeah. remember that one. Yeah. And but see the thing, Batgirl is a Batman character, was thus applied to the embargo. So she had to rewrite it. She rewrote it to have Huntress instead. Huntress. Yeah, oh, you know, because it wasn't yeah, Batgirl. Yeah, Huntress it wasn't bad, was the right. recurring Batgirl stand-in. And uh, I mean, what do you think that did to the story? I mean, could changing out those characters, what how would it have been better with Batgirl? Well, of- it would if they had actually had Barbara Gordon, the in, the intent was Barbara Gordon was going to face a supervillain and get injured to where she wasn't able to uh, fight for a while. So she had to enlist... Oh, they were going to follow that storyline from the... It was, so she was going to enlist both Huntress and Black Canary to, to work with her. You know, they uh-huh. were actually going to do a versions of Birds of Prey in the, in the cartoon. And they couldn't because their hands were tied. Because of the crap bargo. Yeah. yeah. And like I, like I said, it was just one of the weirdest things they could have done. It's, uh, and I know a lot of people that would would say that you know there's such a thing as creativity through adversity, like mm-hmm. what much of George Lucas had to do when he created the original trilogy that didn't suck. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that and as the, a and, name. The and, original trilogy that didn't suck. And then, and then somehow he managed to do the exact opposite. Well, that, the thing is, when you're told no, you have to come. You have to think. When you're forced well, yeah, to think, the, you're at your most creative. 
with George Lucas, his first idea, because of computer technology, was the idea you saw. Right. Well, but also I think in Lucas's case, just as a tangent, it's is is producers too, because um, what was it? Gary Kurtz was his original producer, who was That's famously true. fought with him on the original trilogy on stuff. And from what I can tell, McCallum just goes okay. I, yeah, that definitely is something that happens a lot with filmmakers. They lose the original. Uh, they're they're no men, that, you yeah. know, as opposed to yes men. And when they lose them, their movies lose tightness and direction. I mean, I, I, you know, you look at Tarantino, you compare Inglorious Bastards to something like Pulp Fiction, and I mean, uh, yeah, they, I, Inglorious Bastards may have been a better movie if he had had someone going, "No, that's stupid. Don't do that." <laughs> I think you need people yeah. in in your creative team who are willing to go, "No, that's dumb." You know, like Spielberg too. He's another one. I mean, if I had been on his creative team during War of the Worlds, I would have said, "Yeah, it's a cool visual having a spaceship." come up out of the ground but now the movie doesn't make any sense the ending of the movie makes no sense and he needed someone in his camp to do that because it would have created a better yeah movie. why weren't you in his camp for that uh, they won't let me in his camp it's too bad yeah but like i said that's you know i think that the gail simone story which which was originally going to be a birds of prey story later turned into what's now known as double date was still a very good story I just, I just been, I am just upset at the fact that this and countless other stories were submitted, were proposed, and they're like, wait, let me check the list. No, this character's marked on the list. We can't yeah. use this character. And- yeah, I mean that, that does suck. But I mean, one of the things that I actually really liked uh, from the Unlimited run was it's kind uh, of an ironic title unlimited now i know about this crap bargo thing just like unlimited except for all these characters (laughs) well that was the original title title, it was just too long uh but uh that one of the things that i actually really liked was the the huntress question uh pairing Mm -hmm. and of course hunt of course the question voiced by wesley combs jeffrey combs jeffrey Jeffrey combs Combs. yeah i mean that was he that was easily he was my favorite character from Unlimited because I think we both agreed the last time we both Todd and I both like Green Lantern the best in the Justice League mm-hmm. the first run he was the most interesting and and had kind of um, you know it was just kind of uh, had a lot of depth to his character but I mean for me it was on Unlimited it was always whenever the question would show up because it was Jeffrey Combs and he's got such a great voice and he does such a great you know he, he does great like really kind of nuanced weirdo characters he does that. And that's and, the question. Uh, <laughs> and, and what I like about the uh, and what I like was the Hunters was voiced by Amy Akers. Uh, Akers, wait, Hunters. Uh, yeah. She played. She played. She played uh, Fred and uh, Angel. Oh, I vaguely, I vaguely remember. I didn't, I didn't, I was, I didn't watch a lot of Angel, but I vaguely, I, I vaguely know who she is. Yeah, the thing is, if you ever I watched like, Angel, like she plays a, she she plays such a she plays such a you know librarian mousy girl kind of character in Angel, and then you have her do the strong, powerful Huntress in uh, Justice League Unlimited. It's uh, that's a credit to uh, that's a credit credit to the voice director Andrea Romano for you know yeah who could see the, that in her voice yeah absolutely yeah. that's one of the cool things about voice work is suddenly your look doesn't matter and you can be uh, a superhero even though you know you look like me <laughs> it's kind of cool <laughs> that is I think, true i think if you were a, a superhero you'd be like like the comma 
<laughs> the comma. And you'd be like, you know, you yeah, could yeah, maybe yeah. team up with a question once in a while for yeah. like grammar related mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of my stories just sort of trail off. <laughs> but as much as I like Unlimited, they did have some stumbling points for me, at least. The, uh, the government conspiracy with Cadmus wore thin on me as a viewer really quickly in season two. It did go on for a long time. I, I mean, I, I, I liked the, the, the storyline, but I thought, I mean, I can't remember how many episodes it was, but it seemed like it was a lot. It was most of season two. Yeah, I mean, it was like they really kind of dragged it out when it felt like it would have been a more tight, like, you know, like three or four episode arc. Yeah. And, well, well, it's just very interesting to me about how, you know, they did do have, have a lot of fun in a lot of these episodes. Like, even though it was part of the government conspiracy arc, I did like how they reimagined the Super Friends. Yeah, I did like that a lot with the with the Hall of Justice and uh, and then no, the, no, no, no. I mean the I mean, the mean like the bad the bad Wonder Twins and the, yeah. yeah, 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 and uh, Apache Chief. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like. That. I mean, I. But I also like. I mean, I also liked how they did kind of like the the, the you know the callbacks to the Hall of Justice and the Legion of Doom. Um, I just I too. just saw those old Super Friends. I don't know. Oh, probably for the first time, with, with I was watching yeah. with a kid with the Apache Chief. I was like, <laughs> oh shit! And knock I Chuck. Gotta, I gotta t- I gotta turn this off, Colby. You can't watch this. This is don't watch this. This is wrong. This is just wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they they had they had such characters as Apache Chief, El Dorado, and uh, Samurai. Yeah. What's his powers? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's, he's Asian. He's Asian. What do you want? <laughs> he's an Asian stereotype. That's a superpower. <laughs> and see, they were they actually brought those characters back, and they had Black Lightning as well. And they brought those characters back as the Ultimen, basically right. the lame version of the Super Friends. And the lame version of the, the lame version. Yeah, that's saying a lot. But that that's that's cool that they were uh, doing. Yeah, that they had they had the wonder tw- they had the wonder twins. They had the Apache chief. They had samurai and black lightning. Did Brainiac need pants? I think what? Brainiac had pants. Brainiac, what is it? Look, I just want some pants. A decent pair of pants. Oh, I. I think Ben miss, missed out on the Lex Luthor spent most of his time trying to make out with Brainiac. <laughs> well, well, what happened was at the end of season two, Lex Luthor and Brainiac merged into one. They right. did the fusion dance or something. Fusion dance. Oh, God. Right. But actually, yeah. that, that had one of the coolest moments in Unlimited was when the Flash, you know, did his thing and actually vibrated all of Brainiac's molecules out of Lex Luthor's body. Oh, oh yeah, 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 I remember yeah. that. Yeah, because yeah, he, he did the yeah they did the the whole like the little the nod to the the speed force thing. Yeah, and the uh, and then and then they kind of let it lie, which I thought was a good choice. They didn't like go back to it. Yeah, they sort of, they sort of like okay, there it is. But let, but that's let's not use that if, anymore. Yeah, if we go down that road, it becomes so ludicrously convoluted that we don't. Yeah, it, once you let it go, once you follow the dark path, it will forever dominate the show's destiny. Well, that's also the problem with like when you you know have long running superheroes, and you start developing more and more background and mythology for them, it becomes so much more convoluted. That you know, that, that's, that's exactly that's true. Thing, that's the thing that they did good with these with both the both incarnations of the show was pick and choose. Uh, yeah, they used the know, comics uh, as a suggestion versus as the Bible. Yeah, and uh, and really, you know, you made a great point about convoluted intertwining storytelling. If you do it the wrong way or you try to intertwine too much, 
it becomes such a mess because if they try to conclude the Speed Force over and over again with the Flash, it would have been just another thing you have to keep track of. And you don't. And see, that was that was the weakness with the government government conspiracy thing because you watch every episode. Every episode tried to tie to that, and it's like, can't you just tell a fun story just once? Yeah, it got a, it's it got got into the. Uh into the realm of the convoluted uh, X Files government conspiracy. Yeah, I think that's just too much. You're doing too much. Just yeah, I think that's, story. in general. I think that's an awesome point about uh, superhero storytelling. You know, across the board, is too much backstory and too too much myth- mythological nonsense and not in a simple story. I mean, and I thought Justice League Unlimited. The action sequences, the, the animation in the action sequences are really well realized. And a lot of times I just kind of wanted to get to that and not yeah. have too much hammering about backstory. So I, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd have to say 80% of the animation work was actually DR movie. And DR movie really flexes muscles and unlimited. There were episodes where they were TMS good. By, by God, they were good. Yeah, I mean, they were. Yeah, they were. They were, they, they, and that show is uber cinematic. And I wish live-action filmmakers kind of watch these things and try to yeah. try to create their live-action to look a bit more like this animation. Well, you know, you don't have people that are animators doing storyboards for movies anymore. You have people who call themselves storyboarders, and then you still you get something that looks like, uh, you know, too close shot in uh, action sequences in movies now, and you really can't tell what's going on anymore. Well, and that's—I mean—that's more the director's fault. I mean, that's like a director like choice. Uh, that's true. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how when they're uh, putting an animated show together, you know, what kind of technology they're looking at as they're rendering the the animation, as far as a monitor is concerned. But I, one of the my theories about modern action films is all directors live action live action yeah. stuff is all directors are looking at these tiny, you know, seven inch monitors uh, as their gauge for what they're shooting you know like like i said the uh, the problem is when you try to intertwine too much or try to make every episode have like a wrong running subplot you have a problem and this is exactly what was wrong with uh gonna bash them again avengers you're doing it wrong oh avengers <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, Avengers is going to be my bitch for the next couple of episodes. <laughs> because it's because I had people keep on telling me, that, oh, this cartoon's great. Oh, it's almost as good as something Bruce Timm did. And I watched him like, this is shit. So, so to, what, to continue what, on, the uh, like I was saying, the, the problem with trying to do too, too much intertwined at once is if you have if you have this plot line become the heart and soul of every episode you do it's going to create for someone who doesn't particularly care for that particular subplot a distaste for the whole series that's a really good point that's actually um just a comparison because we were talking about the x-files before i lost interest in the x-files after about season five because i got so sick of the government conspiracy stuff and there are people who loved it and stuck with it the whole time and then people who didn't and that's a huge sort of bone of contention I have with a lot of television now is there's so much, there's so little standalone stuff. You basically have Law and & Order and CSI standalone episodes, and then everything else, if you're not into a huge overarching story, then it becomes un- un- uninteresting. It becomes unwieldy to a new viewer. 
That's yeah, definitely absolutely. true. Well, you can't come into you can't come into a Lost in season three. You can't come into the seventh season of X Files and know what the hell is going on. Well, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I liked about Unlimited. Um, even though you know, I thought you know, just bringing the whole like you know Rose Gallery of everybody into the mix made it more difficult to kind of tell more kind of like the tight storylines that you know Justice League did. But what I liked about it was it had a different feel, and, and, and at least initially when it started, before it got into like all the, the government conspiracy stuff, it felt like more of an anthology, kind of like, okay, this episode is going to be these heroes yeah, that's that, it, that yeah. you you know that you haven't that you haven't seen before, and so you know so like some of the episodes were like the one I, one of those standalones that I remember that I always thought was really kind of fun was the uh, the uh, the Booster Gold episode. Yeah, where everybody says, keeps mistaking him for Green Lantern every time oh, he comes. Right. Thanks, Green Lantern. Like, I'm not Green Lantern. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even wearing that, green. That's a good bit. And he gets mad every time <laughs> nobody knows who he is. Yeah, that's uh, the greatest story never told. Yeah. And you have you actually have the guy who did Fry from Futurama do the voice of Skeets, his little oh, robot friend. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, Billy West. Uh, Billy name? West. Billy West. Yeah. Billy West. But no, I like that. So I mean, that that that's what I. I mean, that's where I felt when that that started up with kind of like its reboot or whatever you want to call it. I was like, oh, okay, I can I can go with this because also it made a little bit of sense because I thought, okay, maybe they're also trying to dial back. Initially, I thought they were trying to dial back on kind of the more heavily threaded storyline stuff to make mm-hmm. it easier for like younger viewers, like younger kids, to kind of be able to watch it and 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 enjoy it, and not have to really follow as much, but. Um, that that didn't pan out. Yeah, when uh, yeah, but don't get me wrong. The show had tons of high points. Tons of high I st- points. I still enjoyed it. You know, yeah, yeah I, I liked it. Yeah, it's a, what we're giving is essentially what would be considered uh, collect you know constructive criticism, because because you know in future series and movies and other undertakings this team or select parts of this team took, they don't do that anymore. They try to tell more concise, self-contained stories. Yeah, and that's really the way to go. Um, well, I think when you're dealing with like superheroes and you're doing like a, especially if you're doing like a like a cartoon series, um, and if it's like in half-hour segments, right. Like the self-contained stories are more the way more the way to go, and you can still tell, you know, get, you know, it doesn't have to be like a you know like a clunky for kids only story. I mean, you can you know you can still do it with a good script. Right. It's a. It's just a. When you have been doing mostly self-contained stories for the entire universe for the, all this time, and then you decide now is the point where I want to do a whole, do an actual serial. You know that's that's the problem because you pretty much built up this expectation to the viewers what you deliver, and then you deliver something different. Not to say that they yeah. couldn't do it right, but like I said, if if the government conspiracy story turns you off, it turns you off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes yeah. it a much bigger risk in a lot of ways, which is admirable. But at it's the same it's admirable time. they took the risk, especially after you know uh, Sam Register tied their hands with the uh, bat embargo. But you know, and they decided to take risks. I thought we agreed it was the crap embargo. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> no, lost. No, no, you're wrong. It's the crap embargo. Oh, crap embargo. Right. The crap embargo. I can go with that. <laughs> but there was one story that I thought was absolutely dismal. This episode sucked more than all the others. And it was an episode written by Jeff Johns. Your favorite. Which uh, what, Which one was it? It was the goddamn Hawkman episode. 
Oh yeah, the like the where Hawkman is Hawk Girl's stalker. Well, He's well, Stockman. oh yeah. Well, the thing is, that, it was the second was one. Good. The first one wasn't too bad because they pretty much made the ending. Yeah, this guy's actually crazy. Yeah, he is. Right. He, he the is so the second one, they legitimized it. You know, the second one, not only did Jeff Johns legitimize it, he also fucking ripped off a co- a Marvel comic book called The Sentry the Void. See, just a little just a little backstory. Yeah. Marvel Comics in the 90s decided to do a very uh, meta meta fictional comic book called The Sentry about a long lost superhero called The Sentry who everybody in the Marvel universe loves but they can't remember anymore. And as soon as they remember the Sentry, all of a sudden this huge evil bad guy named the Void was going to come and destroy everything. And that's when the Sentry realized what happened. He made everybody forget him because without him, there will be no Void. Because the Void is the second half of the Sentry. So without the Sentry, there's no oh, Void. right. And that whole Hawkman thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And Jeff Johns ripped that off. Because Jeff Johns is a hack. <laughs> <laughs> what else has uh, Jeff Johns done besides this hacky uh, oh, Unlimited wow. episode? Uh, he he's actually now, now, now you've done it. Uh, I want to know. <laughs> he's he actually is right now currently doing the DC reboot. The comic books, all the comic books. Oh, okay. Where uh, where uh, you know all the superheroines have to wear pants and even <laughs> Superman's wearing pants and what kind of pants? Like khakis or Dockers. Do- dockers. <laughs> yeah, I'm not shitting you. She's he's he's wearing Dockers, but. <laughs> It's uh, Jeff Johns is also responsible for, you know, Jeff Johns was uh, one of the controlling forces behind the shitty uh, Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie. Oh, oh my God. With oh. the goddamn we, yellow fear monster. We, we oh, went, we Todd and I went and saw that. In 3D. Yeah. So was the goddamn yellow fear monster worse in 3D? Uh, it's um, dimmer. Yeah, it was dimmer. It was a lot. I don't know how the colors were popping if you saw it in 2D, but... All of this for the giant yellow cloud monster, it was yellow. clear. It took a lot of computers to render it. You know what that reminded me of is Battlefield Earth. It had... <laughs> it was kind of... That, that was their goal. That was their mark. If we can make this half as bad as Battlefield Earth, we will have won. That movie was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. Well, it was stagnant too. Nothing happened. I mean, it was, it was so there was all this stuff happening. If you want us to, like, we could just like. Uh, guys, uh, I'm getting a little bit of a distortion from your end. Neil, do you hear that as well, or is it just me? Neil? Oh my God, what's happened to Neil? I uh, I got up for a second. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> what are we boring you? <laughs> no, no. I had to. Uh, I had to adjust yeah. my chair. Okay. Uh, did you? <laughs> but yeah, there was a little bit of distortion coming from you too. It's. Uh, were you hearing that, what? Neil, or are we good? Uh, I was. Uh, is it maybe the air conditioner? Is it a rattle or? Uh... No, no, no. It's it's like you're dropping out. Yeah, your oh, voices really? are going all Max Hedromy on us. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Uh, do you want to? End the call and reinitiate, just to see if that clears up the problem. Probably a good idea. Yeah, we can do whatever you guys want. It's not. Okay, Neil, does that sound like a good idea to you? Sure. Okay, uh, talk to you in a second. All right. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the '80s or the '90s? Then tune into Telecast GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, 
and much, much more only on GeekCastRadio.com. How's this? Can you hear us? Yes. Let's see here. Uh, let me start with Pamela again. That's uh, yeah. Well, right now, the the bar indicator is now, looks like it's full, 100%. Okay, good, good. It's uh. Yeah, it's a. Uh, we're getting to the point where if we're it, just dropping and dropping it out too much. Yeah, yeah it's. I, I don't. I don't want to give Neil too much uh, post work trying to. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a lot of post work. It would just be like me, uh, sliding the selection bar across. <laughs> the <laughs> Neil, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> like that. That was easy. But uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, Jeff Johns is a hack. He 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 uh, <laughs> he was responsible for absolving Hal Jordan of all sins in the comics. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, because that was like a lot of stuff they ripped off for the movie is like Hal Jordan went fucking crazy and 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 the cloud. I, I the goddamn I, yellow fear monster. Call it the right name. <laughs> I, the, uh, the, I, I the yellow crap thing. I, I watched that whole movie just what four weeks ago, three weeks <laughs> ago, and I'm already like. What? Yellow what? I don't know. It eats skeletons because skeletons are high in fear and calcium. Oh. Well, it makes sense that skeletons are high in calcium. (laughs) (laughs) So, actually, if you listen to This Week in Geek, a couple of weeks back, we recorded an episode about the Green Lantern through the ages, and we talked about the movie. One guy walked out of the movie halfway through, and when I told him how the movie ended, he stuttered for five minutes <laughs> before he let out one of the best lines I heard on podcasting. He's like, fuck you, movie. <laughs> that's, that's how it felt. Yeah, it was. It really yeah. I wish I'd thought of that. There was so much of that. And then just the re- recurring stuff about mastering your fear and that was that one right I, there was something about why didn't we walk we, out of that movie and just go to a bar why didn't we do that i don't know i don't know you were afraid we were afraid <laughs> was, I, yeah, we I were afraid we might i needed a green lantern power ring to imagine myself in a bar where i was you, happy. you know why we stayed because we spent the extra money for the 3d that's really, <laughs> that was that extra that extra three dollars makes you stick in that i don't seat. ever want to see a 3d movie ever again no me either well the problem is they don't shoot them stereoscopically so they look like shit yeah that's true post Final Destination, the new one. I'll go see that in 3D. Uh, no, I guess... Yeah, the first one was. I assume the, the second one. Was. I mean, uh, the first Final Destination 3D movie is the only 3D movie that has had a 3D effect that made me jump. It's the only one where the tire from the racetrack comes from. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That actually made me jump, uh, which is the only time well, but 3D that's has the, been Yeah, they, I mean, they did 3D over the top, right. Yeah. It was fun. Like Piranha's 3D. Yeah, but that was a that was a conversion, wasn't it? I think it was a conversion. I mean, I like Piranha 3D, but I, I, I think <laughs> it would have been just fine as Piranha 2D. 3. Piranha 2D. I, I wonder how they got Christopher Lloyd and Richard Dreyfuss in it. Well, I think they got Christopher Lloyd because they said you can have everything in the craft service truck that you want. <laughs> and he's super high all the time. <laughs> he said you can have all the breakfast burritos you can eat. <laughs> 
But you know, the second one is directed by uh, Gulliger there, who did the Feast movies. Oh, so right. uh, Piranha Three Double D is that that should be pretty nice. Mark your calendars. And yeah, but uh, but what about Richard Dreyfus? What about Richard Dreyfus? <laughs> he was in Piranha Three D. How did he get him? Um, how did they get him? Well, he's got uh, I I he takes work uh, based on I think his pill addiction, from what I heard. <laughs> Well, yeah, because what was he in before that? Poseidon? <laughs> yeah, he was in Poseidon. Well, he was awesome in Poseidon because he had to kick off uh, Freddy, Freddy Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. Get off my foot, you bastard. Which is, which is again, a tangent. It's my favorite death in cinema history. It's pretty. It's Freddy Rodriguez. <laughs> he gets kicked off on an absolute ship by Richard Dreyfus, and he falls down an elevator shaft and is impaled in sight. After that, damn it, we're getting the breakup again. Yes, we are. Oh my god, is Mercury in retrograde? I heard it's Richard, really, really, Richard Dreyfus. Really, it's really pertinent to the Justice yeah, League. Yeah, it, 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 it uh, is so important. <laughs> well, speaking of which, uh, you know, they did a, they actually did one or two retcons of the previous series in Unlimited, like when they uh, revealed that uh, Doomsday was actually uh, created by Cadmus. And those who have actually seen the episode where Doomsday first showed up, that wasn't the implication at all. Because wasn't he like originally like a like a Kryptonian? Uh, no, just an alien, just an alien world. Just an alien, yeah. And they changed that because it didn't fit the, with their uh, you know government conspiracy sub sub story, and that was really more of an ass pull, and that was one of the ones that. I really didn't care for. One of the ones I thought was actually brilliant was how they tied back from the Superman series all the way back, back when to tie in how Brainiac was inside Lex Luthor's body. Oh, yeah. I remember that from the Superman. I actually watched the Superman series after I watched Justice League Unlimited. Ah. And I was like, oh, I remember that. And I was confused. Yeah. I actually did like the whole, the whole like, Luthor Brainiac. Uh, yeah, that's a cool idea. Extended storyline. That's something I actually kind of enjoyed. Well, one thing that they did at the end was when they actually had Darkseid come back. And uh, the most famous moment of the series was Superman giving the World of Cardboard speech. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know lots of people that like that speech. And, you know, I know lots of people always called animated Superman a wimp. And, you know, I think Bruce Timm saw this as an opportunity to finally dispel that. Because this was the last episode this version of Superman was ever going to be on. So he thought that this was a good time to have Superman go all out. And while it was very impressive visually, I think them doing this, you know, there are lots of times that Bruce Tim was wrong. And Bruce Tim admitted he was wrong. However, the whole idea of not having Superman so ridiculously powerful for animation was a good idea. And for him to go back to it with this uh, World of Cardboard speech, you know, I felt cheapened his own decision to have a not-so-all-powerful Superman in animation. Yeah, I mean, it, but it was kind of a... It, it was an interesting dramatic choice. Not, uh, you it, know. Was, it was a dramatic choice, yes. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it at the moment, but I also thought, I remember thinking at the time that it didn't... It didn't. It didn't actually go anywhere with the rest of the plot of the story, right? 
you know, it didn't really, it didn't make it, it didn't make a huge difference in terms of a plot. Of course not, because immediately afterwards, Superman was down on his knees due to the agony matrix. So it was just a. <laughs> and how many times have we been down on our knees to the agony matrix? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it happens to me a lot. Well, you watch bad movies, so. Yeah, yeah. well, that's. I have to take these pills. They're very expensive. <laughs> My uh, insurance plan does not cover them. <laughs> but <laughs> you're you're right. In the actual story itself, it contributed nothing. It was more of a thing to appease the Superman Superman fanboys who always said animated Superman was a wimp. Yeah, it was a, a little. It was a little appeasement. Yeah, I, I guess that's okay. I, I, but... I, it's okay to me too. But I'm I'm just saying that. Uh, I thought that Bruce Tim was brave in not having an all-powerful Superman that could easily end every story easily. I I uh, I agree, and I don't just think it's brave. I think from a storytelling standpoint, it actually is a logical decision. Because I mean, one of my things about Superman, and I like I like Superman, I like the character, but the only way that there's a real dramatic thrust to Superman is is if there's another supervillain as opposed to bringing it to a more human level. Right. So by making that choice, he created a, a more human uh, story, which to me is more dramatically compelling. Exactly. And uh, Neil. Yeah. You didn't have that many memories of the show, right? Because you watched only a few episodes, right? Right. Uh, one of the episodes I did catch was... Uh, actually, not a, I don't have a lot of memory of it, but it, it was... Uh, a weird, uh, they did a weird version of Power Girl. Yeah, basically, Power oh, Girl yeah. in the series was uh, was a clone of Supergirl, and no, they did not give her huge giant melons. That's no, because kids are watching. Kids love melons. <laughs> hey, Big Barda was stacked in that cartoon, though. That is true. <laughs> she was a whole lot of woman. <laughs> Uh, break out in a whole lot of rosy hair. Wait, what show was I watching where some there was like a miniature superhero who was tucked into a regular sized superhero's cleavage? For that was this show. This was that was, that was the, yeah. the Adam. The Adam. Yeah, it's a Wonder Woman carried the Adam in her cleavage because she had to use both hands to fight these nano machines. Right. Yeah. I remember watching that, going, "Wow, Coley has no idea why this is hilariously awesome, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying this." <laughs> But yeah, there were actually lots of really fun episodes, but at the same time, I, I really think that near the end, they were starting to lose it. And uh, one of the episodes, other than the Jeff Johns episode, there's another episode I absolutely, positively hate. It's the episode that they simply called Epilogue. Hmm. I remember epi- the title. I, what happened in that? This one doesn't take place during the Justice League Unlimited. This takes place in the future, the Batman Beyond oh, future. The Batman Beyond oh, one, yeah, I remember. Right, right, right. This is the one where they say Terry McGinnis is actually Bruce Wayne's biological son, and I thought that this was terrible. It was clunky. It was a, really, it was a clunky episode. It was clunky. It was, it was staged. It was forced. And when you try to tie everything into a neat bowl at the end, like they did with this, it came off as hokey, cheap, and lame. I mean, I appreciate I appreciate the idea they were going for, which is you know to to you know more fully connect the universes, and to give a more greater sense of continuity. But yeah, I think it was just it was that episode was kind of I watched it and I was like, um, eh, can I? Where's where's the question? 
<laughs> I want to well, go back well, to the guys. Yeah. Well, to me, to me, this was actually ruined because it, it ruined what was one of my favorite episodes in the series, which was a once in future thing where you have Batman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern time travel. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The first episode was they actually traveled to the old West and they showed a lot of these old Western superheroes because was Jonah Lil- Hex in that thing? Yeah. Jonah Hex was in that one and he was awesome. Yeah, that was a good episode. That was way better than the movie. Jonah Hex, you didn't like it? <laughs> I don't I don't believe it. <laughs> it was the wild, wild west of the twenty first century. <laughs> it was funny when he tried to drink. It was the wild, wild west in the wild, wild west. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and the second part of Once and Future Thing took place in the Batman Beyond Future, which, uh, by the way, is not really in continuity. It was basically Batman Beyond is a potential future. And the idea of, you know, the time stream's already polluted, so time traveling to the Batman Beyond Future is okay, in my opinion, because it's a potential future, and that's the one they visit. And, you know... Well, right, but they, but they, like, they like, explicitly connected it, is what they did. Yeah, in the epilogue, and that's that's my biggest problem because, you know, you're ruining a lot of the ambiance and interesting part of it. And by the way, in the next season, Bruce Timm snuck in a hint that ep- yeah, that directly contradicts epilogue, saying that Batman Beyond is still just a potential future. Right, I, but I think it's also kind of realizing, okay, that episode, that didn't fire on all cylinders. That didn't quite work. You want to know what the hint was? It's what? a very, it's a it's a very subtle hint. In uh, in epilogue, there's a scene where the future Justice League is fighting against Parasite. But see, okay, the yeah. thing the thing is this: at the next season, this was after the show was renewed again, and they decided to just do a Legion of Doom sort of season. That season, where where Lex Luthor and Gorilla Grodd are traveling in space. In the Legion headquarters, don't ask. They, uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, Killer Frost kills half the villains. One of those villains she kills is Parasite. Oh, okay. So yeah, so he's dead in this in the regular universe. So yes, yeah. See, it was a not. It was it was a subtle hint. It was a subtle hint, and. Uh, well, see, but that, that, that's the thing. That's, that, that's, you know, I think that's, you know, a thing to, to Tim's credit is that he, you know, he realizes, okay, some, epi- you know, especially if you're doing, like, putting on a show, whether it's a live action or an animation show, and, you know, you're producing, you know, 12 to 20 episodes a season. Yeah, it's you're, hard. You're, you're, There's going to be You're going to have misfires. Yeah. It's too bad. It's just that epilogue was the last one of the season, so. Yeah, it was actually going to yeah. be the last one of the whole series. It was going to be the epilogue of the entire Bruce Tim animated universe. And then they were renewed. And they, I'm glad they were renewed because they actually went out on a much stronger note. Because, yeah. because the final shot at the end of the next season of the entire league running out of the headquarters was a, was a much better shot. It was a much more anthology-based shot. It was a much more powerful shot. Well, and that's... well it, but it's also because that was, you know, I mean, you know, that this, you know, to be like super nerdy, that's the same kind of mistake that uh, the uh, the last Star Trek show, Enterprise, made with its last episode. Was it connected it to Next Generation and it made it about that? Oh, yeah. Instead of about the characters in that show. 
right. it made it, it made it about watching uh, Jonathan Frakes and seeing exactly yeah. how fat he got in ten years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it made it about Jonathan Frakes going, "Oh my god, I can't believe I almost <laughs> fit in my tunic." But I, again, you know, it's lucky that they they got renewed and Bruce Tim realized he made a mistake. So to his credit, I mean, I think you know that's the mark of a good creator who knows he makes mistakes and and. One is willing to actually apologize for them in one way or another, and two is uh, seeking to correct them in the future if he can. I mean, because it is really hard to make a TV series. There's there's no such thing as a TV series where every episode is perfect, except you know Magnum PI. But outside <laughs> of Magnum, nobody's had a track record like that. Well, you know, talking about mistakes and correcting them, you know, Bruce Tim had a lot, and not to say that he's he's not great because a great man learns from his mistakes. Absolutely. A terrible man says he makes no mistakes and then makes uh, revenge of the shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a solid point. And honestly, you know, you know, it's, it may sound that. like it may sound like we bashed a lot of the unlimited episodes, but. We're talking about a series that had one of the only episodes that's an adaptation of an Alan Moore story that Alan Moore actually Ooh, likes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Alan Moore hates everything. Yeah. yeah I know. Alan Moore is a crazy weirdo who hates everything. He's a snake worshiping right to hate everything. But the thing is, yeah, but he's usually absolutely <laughs> he's right, right in why he hates something. Yeah. And he's usually, he's also a snake worshiping anarchist, but uh, that's beyond the point. Eh, what, are you gonna do? what are you going to do? He, uh, but the adaptation of For the Man Who Has Everything yeah. is one of the only adaptations that he didn't date. Yeah. So, like I said, this series did do a lot of things right. I'm, I'm, I know it came off as us being critical, but that's just because we, we, we've seen this team for over 10 years working on things, and they're starting to slip up a little bit, and... But I think also it's like I mean you know if you if you if you think about what we've been talking about it's like we're being really nitpicky in a lot of places. Yeah, and but I think it's because they're uh, such a solid team too that you see cracks in the armor after a certain point. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, any long-running franchise, you know, will do that. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, being critical is only a negative thing to someone who uh, thinks that a show can do no wrong, like. Some people, we know. That's <laughs> Richard. <laughs> Don't say anything negative about Harry Potter on Twitter. <laughs> Ever. Don't say that anything negative about Beast Wars. You're not a true Transformers fan. <laughs> As I learned. Oh, oh, okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, you but, can say it on this show because we don't. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, but to uh, basically. We remember Transformers is was ultimately, you know, a commercial for toys. Yeah, it's a toy commercial. That's what it is. That's how it started. And I loved it when I was a kid, and I hate the new movies, and I would rather see movies that look like the old cartoons. 
Which is amazing that you don't like the movies because you loved that Shia LaBeouf. You can't normally can't get enough I of that did, guy. I did, but he's he was so irritating in this last <laughs> Transformers movie. All I did was like just shriek for like an hour and a half. No, no, for the last one, all he's doing is about talking about how everyone should suck his dick because he's so great. Yeah, why doesn't everybody think I'm awesome? <laughs> That's all he does. And then he ripped out Starscream's optics. <laughs> Uh, See, Megatron just threatens to rip out optics. Shia LaBeouf does. Megatron in like that last one was just like a homeless Transformer. He was a hobo. He He had a cape. Yeah, he had like like a tattered rag. He was a hobo former. He was a hobo former. (laughs) That sounds offensive. Yeah, that's probably... We should probably cut that. (laughs) Neil, keep that in the show. (laughs) (laughs) But but to, uh, to wrap it up, I really do love this show, and I really do recommend you watching it. I just really think that, you know, I know what the low points are for me. I think that, you know, the government conspiracy was a bit much. I think that, you know, the epilogue was a terrible episode. I think the Jeff Johns Hawkman episode was horrible, horrifying, and... It wasn't good. I mean, it wasn't good. But, you know, even in the lesser episodes, they at least throw enough eye candy at you to, to make it Well, the thing is, like, okay. but even both incarnations, I mean, because like, we've talked about both now, like Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. I actually enjoyed both of those runs a lot. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, I can't say that about a lot of, like, long-running animation shows. No. I, I can't. No. Well, the, what were the, the Snorks. Oh, yeah, the Snorks. <laughs> What are you? What the? What are you talking the about? The underwater Smurfs. They they have like straws on their heads. Yeah, they had stra- oh, stra- straws. Straw heads. Straw that were not at all like penises. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like penises. Underwater that's, penis people. That's a, that's their soup drinker. That <laughs> that's their soup drinker. Harry oh, Partridge joke. Hey, I I have a question for you guys um, because I've only seen like a couple of uh, like previews. And uh, seen just a, a little bit of internet ramblings, but uh, the the Batman Year One that's that's coming out based on the Frank Miller and what Mushalasi, whatever I can't remember the guy's name, uh, run. Bruce Tim's involved in that, isn't he? Um, I'm checking right now. <laughs> I don't know. Is this a new animated series? Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's, no, it's a new movie. It's a, oh, it's, uh, a, it's, a it's, it's it's basically it, it, it was an old, it was an old uh, like four or some issue run in the regular Batman comic that Frank Miller did years ago before he went crazy. And and no, it's I don't see Bruce Tim, Bruce Tim's name on this at all. I, yeah, I just because I remember somebody mentioning, hey, he's involved, and so I didn't I didn't know for sure. Yeah, you have Katie Stackhoff of uh, Battlestar Galactica as. Uh, as uh, a detective in it. Nice, I guess. And you have Eliza du- Dushkoff of Dollhouse as Catwoman. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, because I, I saw like a short trailer and it actually looked pretty decent. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm well, the, I, I actually think it's really important well, to hire incredibly attractive people to do your voice work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a good, I mean, I remember the comic book. Um, you know, from years back, and it was well, really- you know who they got. You know who they got to do the voice of Catwoman in the original Batman the Animated Series, right? I can't. No, I can't, I don't remember. Adrian Barbeau. Oh, oh right, shit, right, 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 right. I forgot about that. I remember I saw her name. And I was like, why isn't this a live action show? <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, I'll be interested. I'll be interested. I'm interested to see how they adapt um, um, that that particular uh, story um, when when it comes out because I, I I remember that was like a really kind of a good milestone uh, in the in, in Batman, the Batman comics. comics. Yeah, she didn't age well. I'm looking at Adrian Barbell now. It's no, sorry. ultimately nobody ages. Yeah, well. nobody ages well. She's like 75. And she uh, have you have you have you seen Dana Delaney lately? She's still seen... she's still hot. <laughs> yeah, I have not seen Dana Delaney uh, lately. I think Adrian Barbo is older than Dana Delaney. Though. Yeah, I all I'm saying is Adrian Barbo now comes knocking at my door and says, "You now." I'm going <laughs> okay. Where are we going? And that's simply because of the swamp thing. Yeah, it's why it's a swamp thing thing. Okay, no, I... okay, okay. Dana Delaney's about. Okay, Dane Delaney is 50, 60. She's. She's. She's surfing Google for naked pictures of <laughs> Dana Delaney? No, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia for her age. Have you turned Safe Search off? <laughs> <laughs> and how old is Adrian Barbeau by comparison? Do we know? Older. Older. How, by how much, though? Like, like eight years. Hmm. But I would say Adrian Barbeau is she's lived more. <laughs> she's really lived. Well, but she's also uh, in Escape from New York. Yeah. So I mean, and Creepshow. And Creepshow. There's a huge Adrian Barbeau's got cred. She's got cred. Okay, fine. She's got cred. But <laughs> <laughs> but back to uh, back to like we're talking, you know, vocal talents in. In the show, I mean, they still got a lot of great voices. They, I mean, you know, every voice they got was always a, a stellar voice. I can't think of a bad voice casting decision they made on that show. No, I actually, the, I actually can't think either. I agree because with you. I actually, I, think, I thought, uh, yeah. I thought the casting was actually really, really good. No, the casting is great. The voice work is great. No, none of it's stilted, and I think that's an easy thing for actors to do when they're in a booth and they're doing a superhero is to wind up doing some kind of stilted thing, because sometimes comic book dialogue can be a little bit tricky to make it feel natural. But I think on both the Justice League shows, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty awesome. Well, that's because uh, Andrea Romano knows what she's doing versus versus the voice director on Avengers who's like, okay. Wait, that, I, I'm not unclear. Do you like Avengers? <laughs> I think it sucks. I watch it. It's terrible. I mean. It's crap Avengers. I wouldn't go that far. I, I just think it's a terrible cartoon and people who praise it are like, like missing a part of their brain or something. I don't know. No, I hear that. That happens to me a lot with uh, movies. I haven't seen the Avengers cartoon. I've seen some of the movies, but not the the cartoon movies. I mean, but not the. I remember series. the uh, my favorite line. I remember. I remember very vividly from uh, uh, Unlimited because it was a Jeffrey Combs line as a question, mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember a episode. I can't remember the context. I just remember he was talking. It was probably he's probably talking to the Huntress on the radio, and he's poking around in some warehouse doing a weird question thing, looking for conspiracy stuff. And they have like a conversation about the plot of whatever the show is, and the tag of it at the very end is hilarious because he like opens a crate and it's just full of like uh, like ice cream vats, and he like opens one and he goes, "Just as I thought, thirty-two flavors." <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes a picture as well. Yeah, and that was the cap to the scene, and it made me laugh so hard. That's awesome. 
what I love was he implied that the plastic things on shoelaces, their true, their true uh, intention was sinister. Oh yeah, yeah, like the cats on the laces. Well, that's that's. I mean, that's why. I mean, that's why he was my favorite character in that in the unlimited run, simply because whenever he showed up, a you know, he was written really sharply mm-hmm. as as the, the like the weird paranoid character that the actual question is. Um, but the thing about what makes that character fun is like he's like usually weird and paranoid and right. Right. Um, and then adding the casting of Jeffrey Combs, who like can really pull that off well, just with the cadence of his voice. Yeah. What I, what I loved was his conspiracy chart where he connected the Boy Scouts of America to like. All these super villain plots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he seems always like in his like shitty apartment with all the stuff on his walls. And that's a huge part too of of a good uh, animated TV series. Uh, oh. Super series is a good sense of humor. I mean that that and that's missing in a lot of. Oh, you, you mentioned the Power Girl episode. That has the best line ever. Was when uh, Supergirl says, "Wait, you're going? You go through my garbage and." Uh, the question walks away. Says, "I go through everybody's garbage." <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. That's a, that's a classic line. Yeah, that's really funny. And I, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, that yeah. kind of sense of humor. I mean, certainly uh, Michael Bay at least thinks he has a sense of humor with Transformers, but it doesn't work. But so many doesn't. superhero He's... movies are lacking in that genuine kind of sense of humor. Yeah. It's like more corny in the movie. Well, it's, a, it's like a the slight acknowledgement of how kind of ridiculous it is for right. you know, that, that, these characters to actually exist. Yeah, a little wink. Yeah. Wink. In, real, a in, a, in the real world. Right. Yeah, like in Green Lantern when Ryan Reynolds just says, Are you okay, ma'am? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, not, not not Ryan Reynolds. Not Ryan, yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Or uh, as the one thing we can agree about with uh, Mike Blanchard, fucking Van Wilder. Van Wilder? What about it? Well, that's the thing. He's playing Van Wilder with a power oh, ring. Yeah, no, no, oh, yeah, no, no, Ryan Reynolds. Well, no, that's all, but all, but that's he, all he ever does. Yeah, it's he was a, Van Wilder in the third Blade movie. Yeah, he's like... Was uh, he Van Wilder when he was stuck in the coffin in the desert? <laughs> I haven't seen that, but actually, if he plays that as Van Wilder, I might enjoy that movie. Uh, that movie's gotten good reviews. I'm terrified of watching can, Ryan. I, think, I love the concept. Uh, it's one of those yeah. movies where, um, how are they going to sustain that for 90 minutes? But if they can, I'll be impressed. And if I can watch Ryan Reynolds and nobody else for 90 minutes, I'll also be impressed. That would be an amazing feat in filmmaking. Because it's dark. You can't see his abs. That's true. <laughs> unless he, unless he mm-hmm. spends most of it just like shining the cell phone. <laughs> My abs, he's doing tiny crunches in the box. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta stay fit. I gotta, I gotta stay, stay fit. In gotta case someone keep... digs me up, I gotta stay fit. Running out. Of I gotta be all sweaty and dirty <laughs> when they pit pull me up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, other than a few technical hiccups, which uh, Neil, are those gonna be a problem? Mm, oh. No, I don't think there'll be much. No, it's going to be seamless. Yeah, it'll be perfect. No problem. We'll just be cut off halfway through. Like, my favorite cinematic. (laughs) Anyway, back to what we're talking about. This, you know. Yeah, basically, Neil's just going to overdub you with. with, My favorite part is when the. uh... (laughs) With with whatever you guys want us to say instead. (laughs) I agree with everything you said. But yeah, it's uh, let's wrap this up, guys. Uh, great episode. 
Hopefully this one won't be as cursed. <laughs> we seem to have yeah, a... It's always slightly different, but there are curses that we have. But that's, you know, that's technology. Well, my apartment complex is built on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... All of L.A. is built on an Indian <laughs> burial ground. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, uh, <laughs> now that's, I'm just sad. Yeah, now no, you're really kind of <laughs> ending it on a bummer. Yes, and... Uh, you know, hopefully we haven't dissuaded you from watching Justice League Unlimited because there are lots of great episodes on this show. I think it's more good than bad. Oh, you I, by, oh, if, by, if you like cartoons, yeah. if you like animated superhero series, you, I, yeah, but I, I, I recommend both of them. Justice yeah. League, Justice League, you know, despite everything that we've kind of been nitpicking at, which is, and, and it is nitpicking, it's kind of like pulling it, it apart and examining it, but I, I actually really enjoy yeah. the whole series. Certainly so. to a casual viewer, uh, it, it it's all going to be fun. I think. I just really would have liked if they did some more episodes when they did limited <laughs> unlimited. I wish they did like one episode about something more Batman related, but we know that couldn't have happened because right, of, yeah, because of the the crap bargo. Yeah, the yeah. crap bargo. So, but uh, like I said, that's Sam Register's fault, and uh, anyone who's interested in contact Cartoon Network and let them know that you want him gone. So. <laughs> <laughs> When I'm running to town on a rail. Yeah. I'm, start, I'm typing the email as we speak. <laughs> Dear sir or madam. Because I'm not sure you have any balls. <laughs> to whom it may concern. Here's, this is my stern letter. <laughs> but uh, this was uh, our Justice League Unlimited episode. Uh, hope we didn't dissuade you. We should, you should still check it out. Still buy it, rent it. And check it out. You know, like I said, just, you know, government conspiracy plot. That's only in season two. Picks up after that. Oh, and just to reiterate, though, if you do buy the box set of the whole Justice League thing, they miss they screwed up. I said this last time, I know, but they screwed up the packaging. So they're reversed. So make sure you watch the second set of discs first, because that's actually Justice League. And the first set is Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, because who cares about packaging? Not the, uh, it's not the, it's not an amazing the... fuck up, and, and they continue to distribute it that way. They haven't fixed it. I don't understand it, but that's the truth. Also, you can find naked pictures of Dana Delaney on Google. <laughs> I did not know that. I'm going there now too. <laughs> but uh, I am your host, Ben, and TV's Mr. Neil, and we're uh, the Film Pigs. Film so, pigs. Some of them. Two, two, two out of three of the Film Pigs. That ain't bad. Todd and Steve. All right. Not quite a herd of pigs, but we got a couple. All right. And uh, we hope to see you next time. Good night. Goodbye. Emerging from the dark humor that was the Beast Unleashed podcast, Steve Megatron, TF2 and Mike, and Pecan Court Michael move on to Transformers Animated coming June 26, 2011, Transformation Animation Podcast. Fifteen podcast episodes covering all three seasons of Transformers Animated and the awesome toy line as well. We will also have cast and crew interviews, so get tapped this summer with the GeekCast Radio Network's next Transformers Franchise Podcast, Transformation Animation Podcast. Decepticons, transform and rise up! Let's just, let's just try to, uh, as uh, Kitty Hawk says, power through, because, uh, because okay, where were we at? We were talking about uh, George Bruce's portrayal as, uh, as Superman.
That's exactly where we were. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Uh, then let's continue with uh, that discussion because, like I said, uh, you know, I don't fault George Newbern for that because George Newbern is actually a very talented voice actor. I just think that the problem was he really wasn't given anything he could really sink his teeth into. And uh, Bruce Tim solved that like he did all the other problems that were with season one. And he created a stronger season two because of it. And honestly, I think uh, what was brilliant was when he created season two and he created that cliffhanger at the end of uh, uh, Star Starcross, the uh, end uh, of uh, Justice League season two of Justice League proper, he created a three-parter that was done as a movie event. Great, great television movie, by the way. Not only could you buy it on the DVD box of season two, you could also buy it as a as its own movie as a single DVD. And I actually did that. I bought it twice. I shouldn't have, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're going to get lots of laughy echoes. That's hilarious. And... Uh, I love Starcross personally. It, it, basically, they had the Thanagarians show up, and they are evil. You know the you know hot girls race the Thanagarians, and it was brilliant because it was like you know you expect the Thanagarians to be like the comics where the Thanagarians are actually good guys, but no, Bruce Timm's like no, they're evil. And again, it would create a lot of drama. Create a lot of fanboys are like, hey, you can't do that. But ultimately, it created a better product. Uh, Neil, what are your thoughts on this? Um, not, not much beyond what I said earlier, which was uh, my point about Hawk Girl and uh, how they—I'm sorry—the echo is throwing me off. How they uh, made a good character out of her. They made you care about her up until uh, she turned evil on the other teammate. And they didn't, they didn't like cheapen, cheapen out like they did on uh, uh, Yes, Teen Titans, it burns us. Yeah. It burns us. When uh, Tara came in and uh, said, hi, I'm Tara, and then like the next episode, she's bad. Yeah. And that was totally bullshit because, number one, anyone who read the comics would have known Tara was the traitor because that's exactly what happened in the comics. It was called the Judas Contract, for anybody who wants to read it. It was a story written by uh, Marv Wolfman, uh, drawn by George Perez. But uh, this hot girl is a traitor story was not in any element of any comic beforehand. It was Bruce Tim writing you know, stuff from, stuff from, uh, from scratch, and that's... That's where he's really good at. Like I said, he uses comics as a suggestion. He does use elements of other comic stories in Starcrossed. Uh, little known fact was there was a Justice League story. It was written by, uh, uh, I believe, Mark Wade, uh, drawn by Brian Hitch, a Justice League of America story, uh, where uh, the uh, villain Ra's al Ghul discovers uh, Batman's plans on how to defeat every single member of the Justice League if Batman ever had to. And uh, what Rachel Gould does is he uses the plans to defeat the Justice League, and the Justice League finds out that Batman had all these plans, and they kick him out. And they use elements for that in Starcross because Hawkgirl knows all their weaknesses, and, they, and the Thanagarians use their weaknesses against them to defeat them. 
So, you know, like I said, it's just a brilliant piece of uh, Tim using elements of certain comics to tell a completely different story. Well, no, I, that's I, where I his strength is. Yeah, I think that's actually that is a huge strength of like all the Bruce Tim stuff is that he mines the DC, you know, comic mythology. You know, in a lot of the same ways, the same way that Brian Singer mined the X Men mythology for the first two X Men films, that I thought he made really effective uh, X Men films that kind of had respect for the mythology, but also he picked and chose what he needed for maximum dramatic effect. Just like everybody, just like it, the same thing that happens to anything else. What? 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 I miss that. The same no, thing that happens to anything else. Uh, meaning the same thing that happens to anything else. Meaning the, I'm a reference to. I love the Brian Singer X Men movies, but the way Halle Berry said that line. Well, no, this no, is no, no, you can't fucking shit on Halle Berry. That was a horrible, casting malfunction. As Halle Berry always is. Um, um, I'm sorry, that was rude. I'm sorry, that was rude. But I, I, I don't disagree with you, but you have to... X-Men is one of the few... This is so weird because the echo is coming back. <laughs> uh, but the, I, I totally agree with Skelton that the first two X-Men movies are are a lot of fun. And you, and you have to look at... Sorry? I love them. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're great. And I think that... He mined them. He mined the stories well and manipulated them well for a cinematic story, and 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 that's the trick to all of this. That's a trick to taking even an animated TV series into a new era, because you have to remember that you're always introducing this stuff to a new audience. And uh, and I'm not. I mean, I'm not defending uh, corporate nonsense put onto a story to make it more feasible. That's not what I'm talking about. But not... I think there's... I mean, and, and I think that's what's kind of awesome about Justice League series is that they took a lot of mythology and they made it palpable for both its fandom and newbies like myself. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm coming into the, the... I mean, outside of the super friends, the super friends. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know the comic book mythology. I mean, I, I know like, Hey, a bunch of superheroes got together, but what coming out of, especially me, I, the first things I saw were super friends and I saw that as a kid and was like, yeah, it's on. I'll watch it because I'm a retard and I like television. But then when I saw Justice League, I thought, wow, this is an updated Super Friends. Won't that be nice? And I was sort of blown away by the storytelling prowess of it. And obviously, from what you're saying tonight, a lot of it has to do with both sticking to the mythology of the comic books, but also understanding they're telling a story to a whole new Breath of people who don't know the mythology. Exactly. And uh, it's part of Mark making it approachable. And I think that was, like I said, the strength Bruce Tim had with DC was he knew what to make to make it approachable to new fans. While Marvel just wanted to make it uh, a wank to old fans. 
Uh, I I mean uh, I, I don't I don't think Marvel even seems like they even care that much. They just are just like yeah, do that and yeah, make it like those old comic books. Yeah, and then it, we'll it, put it on a DVD. It's almost like Marvel. The only thing they give a shit about is the fact that they have Robert Downey Jr. starring in one of their movies, and they know that and, matters. And so everybody like, loves Hugh Jackman. Like, so uh, yeah, it's Hugh Jackman and Robert Downey. And look Robert at Downey, look at the. Yeah, what, whatever it is, yeah, put, whatever you know, it is, put half ass. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's just it's just so strange. And and by the way, Neil, I just want to make sure you you do have the recording right because oh, like, oh yes, I do. <laughs> okay, Neil, I mean, you're editing. Sure. Your, what you have to edit is a horrible nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ben, you you really have no idea what this sounds like. Um, We we should probably hasten the end of this show. Okay, uh, let's move on to Unlimited, Justice League Unlimited. As we know, in season two finale, Justice League, uh, Starcross, they they destroyed the Watchtower, their their base, and and Hot Girl quits, and they decided, okay, at first they were going to rebrand the show, just call Justice League Unlimited, and just bring Aquaman in, and then all of a sudden, someone says, hey, why don't we just go full hog and bring everybody? It's sort of like that scene with... uh, with Gary Oldman, everyone. Uh, you know what? No. And I, and I think that's an awesome idea. And I like Justice League Unlimited because it's what you were saying about there was the core superheroes in the first one, and so they they you know used the second tier in other episodes. And what I liked about Justice League Unlimited is from episode to episode. I had no idea what the hell story no there was. Yeah, well, but, but, and not knowing the mythologies or whatever, but I had no idea what superhero would matter and I liked that a lot. Yeah, you, you get to meet all these new heroes that you know nothing about and makes you curious about them because, hey, this, this is from the, show, the same show that brought us all these awesome stories about Batman and Superman and, oh, uh, who's this guy? Who's Booster Gold? Who's, uh, who's Elongated Man? Who's... Uh, Captain Marvel makes you interested in them. It makes you want to know more about them. And there's there's one thing I have to fault with the with the Justice League Unlimited. There's one fault I have to give them, and it's kind of big for me. Is when they start doing all this, uh, all these uh, really, you know, government conspiracy stories with Cadmus and all that. That that started to irk me because it's 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 that same bullshit that was being done in the comics with the evil, you know the evil military slash government doing horrible things to people. And, you know, I'm tired of evil military or evil government stories. I'm tired of it. And to see it on a cartoon was just like, oh, come on, come off it. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I, 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 I think the problem is, is it remains, you know, on a lot of levels, potent themes for storytelling. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't like it either. I, I honestly don't. Um, and conspiracy theory stuff can be pretty dull. But what, what, I think Justice League Unlimited did. Um, on a positive note is that it introduced a lot of different um, superheroes to people who didn't know them before. 
Um, and and maybe some of the young people who watch it will go and mine the comic books to learn more about those characters. Now, here's my question. And my wife, you know, watched a lot of these cartoons on and off. I watched all of them with my son, and she watched some on and off. The guy who's always up there in, in the Watchtower was destroyed, but then there was, there was later on, there was a guy who was, and he's blue. What the hell? Well, who's that guy? You know what I'm talking about? Wait. The blue guy. We've talked about this. Before. No, you mean you're talking about Martian Manhunter. Is that Martian Manhunter? But he's not blue. He's green. Green. He's got like a blue cape, right? He's got mm-hmm. a blue cape, and he's got like a symbol on his chest that looks like a nuclear thing or something. No, no, no. You're thinking. You're thinking of Captain Captain Adam. Captain Adam. Yeah, Captain yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Adam. Adam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a blue. Who's the guy who kind of runs the show? Everybody turns to him. That's that's Martian Manhunter. But uh, but uh, another point I want to make about Justice League Unlimited was you know they had a lot of great stories and you know other than the conspiracy thing, you know the best part about the conspiracy thing was they had uh, Jeffrey Combs playing the question. Oh, oh yes. yes! I totally. I oh, Jeffrey Combs. That's right. I love Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, that guy's awesome. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs just totally doing the question, and that's the definitive question voice now, and I love it. Yeah, it's a great. He it, Combs is great. He's always been great. He's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. I, I met him once I, I met at a video store. Video store. He was a really nice guy. Yeah, and uh, what what I think was, you know, season one and season two of Unlimited, they were they were doing this conspiracy thing. Comes to the culmination at the end with uh, with Lex Luthor and Brainiac combining into one being, and it ends with the Flash saving the day. And one of the greatest sequences I saw in that series, season two, and season three, they decided, okay, let's tell some fun stories again. But even then, with season three, they actually. They actually brought in the old Super Friends style uh, Legion of Doom headquarters and everything. They were they, they were being camp to a degree yeah, in season three. Yeah, I agree. I agree, I agree but I, agree, I don't. I agree, but I don't. I don't mind that. I, I mean, mind I, I, that. I, I, I mean, get I, your I get aggravation with that, and I get. And I, and I certainly would get like as soon as you hang up the phone, like, be like, "Why are we talking to that guy?" <laughs> you know, but I, I and again. I, I really appreciate that you are because it it seriously has brought my mind as to understanding what I've been watching um, and where it's coming from. And that, to me, that's huge. And that, that's really important. Um, The mythology of everything that I don't understand because I, you know, at a certain point I didn't have the interest to read it. And now I simply don't have the time but understanding where it's coming from and how they're marrying, you know, telling a new story with telling an old story is huge. And I, I appreciate your humoring having me here. Are you talking to me? Of course. No, I don't care about you, you asshole. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh... You know, like I said, it was it was great that they had certain elements, and 
and really them having those fun, stupid stories again. And of course, as you know, the end of uh, Unlimited had the episode with with Superman fighting Darkseid one more time and the ever famous World of Cardboard speech. <laughs> Superman basically says that for all his life he's been holding back and he punches Darkseid really hard twice and it's supposed to be the most awesome moment in the culmination of the Bruce Tim animated universe. Right. Well, but I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Again, you're falling into the trap where what's the most awesome thing Superman can do? Probably just punch it's a guy. The <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's there's also there's also one other little piece of praise at the end of Unlimited is uh, they did the only adaptation of an Alan Moore story that Alan Moore actually likes. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, but I don't care about what Alan Moore. Alan Moore's a he's an asshole. I mean, the he's, he's a big brilliant he's asshole. Been, but who cares? He doesn't have any. He's, Alan Moore only has a concept of how to make a good comic book. Man has no concept of how to make a movie, and he's made that clear. That's that's true, but the, of course I'm talking about the se- season one of Justice League Unlimited. They did the episode that was an adaptation of the comic by the same name for the man who has everything, where Superman has the plant on him, the, the Black Mercy. It's a uh, it was the best adaptation of a of an Alan Moore story according to Alan Moore and according to a lot of fans. It's a little piece of trivia there. And actually, that's kind of that's really interesting because I probably like a an animated. Uh, uh, film like a TV show or a film. It's probably the only way you can ad- you could possibly adapt, you know, Alan Moore's style, where it would actually translate and work. Yeah, that makes sense. Like live action doesn't really work. No. Hey, here comes the fire trucks that I was talking can about. Can you hear earlier. the fire trucks? We can hear the They're fire coming trucks. coming for us. Yes. Skelton is on fire. Yeah, I am on fire. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Yes, but uh, as, as we know, the uh, the end of Justice League Unlimited was the end of the Bruce Timm animated universe proper. Afterwards, there were a lot of unrelated movies that came out. Now, which, ones are the, which one of the, uh, did you like any of those movies? I actually liked a lot of them. Uh, Do- Superman Doomsday, I did not like. I, I felt it was mediocre. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. It didn't really break any ground or do anything new. I didn't. Uh, I didn't like just, Justice League. Justice League New Frontier, I liked. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Mainly because I really liked how they uh, how they went to a lot of trouble to emulate a lot of the art style. Yeah, the art Cook's art style. Really yeah, I thought the art direction was great on that show. And uh, the next, and uh, I liked Wonder Woman as well. The other ones I can I can tell you about later, but uh, I, I but, liked. Yeah, uh, uh, I agree with you though. I, I I thought the Wonder Woman movie was a lot of fun. It was just, it was, it was it, they they clearly stated their mythology from the beginning. Whether it was, I don't know again whether they were how much they were divorcing themselves from the past and you know whatever it was. It it, it was a lot of fun. I thought. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. And Nathan Fillion the yeah, but... show didn't take off. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the David <laughs> Kelly Wonder Woman show not taking off? <laughs> they gave her pants. <laughs> it was a mercy killing. <laughs> I agree. They're just like pants are too shiny. Make them less shiny. The pants are less shiny. Okay. Oh, pants are less shiny. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that's all the time we have right now. I, I apologize for the short episode to our listeners, but uh, I've foreseen power circumstances here have cut, short cut episode. the show How long short. has it usually been? I'm sorry. How long have you episode here? Uh, between one hour to two hours. Two hours? We usually cut it short around the 80-minute mark. Wow. That's true, but I wish I could talk for two hours. Our, uh, our other pig won't let us. Could you write him a letter? <laughs> well, it's, uh, <laughs> well uh, Neil hates going beyond two hours because then we go into epic length. Yeah, well, we do not like yeah. the epic length movie, therefore we do not like the epic length podcast. Yeah, we don't want to be the Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> See, Ben? I agree, I, I agree. <laughs> again, before before we end, though, before we end, really before, seriously, you guys, seriously, thank you so you guys, much for having us. So I, I had a great Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I had a great And uh, I apologize to anyone for any of the echoes or audio problems on my end because I really can't hear them because I'm on my phone right now. Uh, my uh, HTC uh, Droid Incredible, uh, Android, Go Android, yeah. I'm sure Neil but, will yeah. take care of everything. <laughs> yeah, He's right. some kind of genius. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, uh, so, uh, so to wrap things up, uh, this is your host, Ben. TV's Mr. Neil. <laughs> so, TV's, you sounded so sad. <laughs> well, TV's Mr. Neil. He's just, he's just oh, thinking God. about all the alcohol oh, he has to God. <laughs> And we're the film pigs. We'll see. You guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah, so thank much. you, guys. All right, and good night. Goodbye. <laughs> you don't sound anywhere near Joel. Does it really sound that bad, Neil?